What's up, everyone, and welcome into the Buffalo Sports Collective. It is September 2nd, 2022. Phil, we are less than a week away from opening day of football. Buffalo Bills v. the defending champion, Los Angeles Rams. Kick it off next week, Thursday, 8 o'clock. We have to adjust our schedule, so our next show will be Monday. But next week, we'll be airing our show on Saturday because, you know, we want to get the Bills involved because it is the opening week. And for some reason, they always choose Thursday to do it. Maybe that's our bad. It could be our bad, Phil. (laughs) Absolutely could be. And it has been, I want to say, long-awaited. I feel like it's just, it's more recently. Like, the closer we get, the slower it's going because all summer we've been saying how fast summer went. And I can't believe, again, it's September, as everyone kind of seems to say, pretty much every time a new month hits, We're like, wow, I can't believe that month went so quick. But it's true. All these months are flying by. But now that we're this close to the season, you and I have a couple of our fantasy teams officially in. We can see our teams. We're looking at them pretty much daily. And it's, you know, it's that that meme or that gif where it's that stick figure with a stick poking, like do something. And that's that's kind of where I'm at. I just I want the season to start like it feels like right now it's taking forever to get that like last week or two out of the way before the season starts, but we got here quick. So I guess I will, uh, I'll be, I'll be okay. Waiting the six more days before the NFL season kicks off. And we still got one more fantasy draft to do our BSC listener league that will be drafting next week, Tuesday, Tuesday at seven o'clock. So, uh, we got a, a nice full league drafting, some uh, listeners with us, and it's going to be a fun little draft and uh, another one where I could possibly win a championship. If I win all three leagues, Phil, all three that I'm in, I will be a very happy boy. Man, we I know we, we're still working on our own MVP and our own awards, our, our own name for it, but I feel like we also have to think of a, uh, a trophy possibly for that fantasy listeners league as we do, well, yeah. or a ring, something. We'll come up with something, some kind of, some kind of winning prize. There'll, there'll be something. There'll be something for all of them. And if you got any ideas, you can shoot it to us on our social media sites. So you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Buffalo Sports Collective and on Twitter at Buffalo Sports Co. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our website at buffalosportscollective.com and look for the time breakdowns in the description of the show. As always, we'll start with the Bisons. They have entered their final month of baseball action until playoffs if they do make the playoff championships. Tuesday, they won 14-3. to The same score from Sunday's game, but the Bisons came out on top on this one. Lawrence went just two innings of no-hit ball. Not sure why they only sent him out two innings. Maybe it's because something's going on. Maybe they just want to rely on their bullpen the rest of the way. But five other relievers would follow up and give up three earned runs on eight hits with nine strikeouts. Tally went five for six with a solo shot in the fourth to tie the game at two. Phil, this is what I wanted when I dropped him off my BSC team, so you're welcome, Tally. Uh, Collins, three for five with a grand slam in the seventh. Lopez, four for six with two RBIs and extended his hitting streak to 20 games. Horwitz, two for six with an RBI. Capra, Large, and Satsugo, all with a hit and two RBIs. The team scored at least one run from the third inning to the ninth inning. Just a monster game for the Bisons. The hitters came alive, but then the hitters went to sleep on Wednesday. They lost this one nine to one. Algary might be knocking on the door for a demotion. Seven earned runs in just one inning pitched. He gave up, I believe it was three in the first, but then came out for the second and gave up, you know, four more. He now owns a 5.66 ERA. It's just ballooned. It's he. I think he needs the Lawrence treatment from last year. Just send him down to double A, get right. Lopez, hitting streak did come to an end, but he had the team's only RBI in this one in the four hitter. It's just mind-blowing a little bit and I think it's just I it was so consistent throughout the entire year that at some point it had to I guess fall apart it didn't have to but it, it it was possible for the pitching staff that's been just again so elite the entire season to finally have some bumps in the road and these last couple series that they've had they've just we have not really seen too many games where the pitching staff allows five, six, seven, eight plus runs. And now you're seeing it a little bit more consistently than we would like. I know a few times here, it's been one or two pitchers causing a lot of damage, but throughout the entire year, you really just have not seen that too, too often where even the pitchers that had a bad game, they're only allowing five or six runs. And then the rest of the team, for the most part, shutting it down 
And obviously their ERA, I think, is what, right around four for the entire season. So for the most part, they were hanging right around two, three, four runs a game. So to see them just kind of fall apart a little bit toward the end of the season here, not the time you want to do it. This is time you want to tighten everything up, get everything, you know, right the ship and just have a really strong end to the season. And the pitching staff is starting to really fall apart and the hitting is keeping them in some of these games and like that Wednesday game, losing them another. But as far as positives go, that 14 to three win, something we also have not seen too, too much of from the offensive side of the ball, just absolutely smacking a team around. And it's really good to see overall, just another team or this team, you know, just get that many hits string together, that many runs. They just have not had too many offensive outbursts this entire year. And to see Collins with a grand slam, Tally five of six, Lopez four of six, just a lot of really big, Big stats in that game and just a really fun one to be a part of. So really good to see that. But obviously (laughs) the next day losing 9-1. So you lost 14-3, you won 14-3, and then you lost 9-1. Not a great couple of games there, even though you had a really fun one in between. But I think the Algary, I I don't see him getting demoted simply because of where they are in the season. I think it's just too late at this point, and especially with the pitching staff just not having that many bullpen arms or arms in general that can maybe stretch it out even though they don't seem to do too much of that anymore I just don't seem getting demoted this year but I do agree that if it was earlier in the season he probably could have used a demotion and maybe someone like Anderson can go a few more innings now especially when they've had those two go back to back for such a long time hopefully they let Anderson go more than two or three innings and he can kind of stretch it out a bit yeah and this is the series that you really want to wipe the floor with Worcester because they're as of this recording they're still playing tonight on the Thursday game but Bisons are a game and a half up on Worcester but they're only three and a half back of Durham and Durham Lehigh Valley and Jacksonville who are all ahead of them they're not like pulling ahead by too much in the last 10 games Jacksonville Lehigh Valley are six and four and Durham is four and six so even though Buffalo is struggling a bit to string some wins together in a row They're not falling further and further back in the standing. This is the one where you need to win these next four games, move up the standings and give yourself a shot in September. This is why we said that you got to win the close games. And yes, there's like 150 some odd games in AAA baseball, but each game kind of matters because you can't fall too far back in the standings. They did exactly what they needed to. They're right there at the end. It's just they got to capitalize on these performances. You can't be losing 9-1. Even the 14 or 3 games, you're not going to have those very often. You need to win the nice close games. The pitchers got to keep it close and the hitters got to capitalize when they can to keep moving up the standings and defend, defend that title that was theirs last year. And as far as Tuesday's game goes with Lawrence only going two innings of no-hit ball, first off, after a few hiccup games that he's had, great to see him go two innings of no-hit ball. It's uh, really impressive. Even if it's a short outing, it's an impressive one. But he did get called up by Toronto, so that could be one of the main reasons they had him go only two innings. I could see them kind of having that in their plans as they got closer to the roster expansion date that they wanted, uh, you know, eyeballing certain players on the Bisons that they want to pull up, him being likely one of the bigger names on the Bisons that they were looking at and probably just getting him a little bit of work, but not allowing him to go a full starting pitching game. So they don't have to give him that much rest, but he gets kind of just stretched out in those two innings, keep it loose, and then probably got called up and will now be part of Toronto. Yeah, that's a good call. I mean, it might've just been like a bullpen game for him where rosters did expand on Thursday. So that was a good catch by you where they probably just wanted him to get a little bit of work and knew he was going to get the call up on Thursday. So that would explain the two innings. So good catch, Phil. And, uh, you, uh, you had a nice catch in the BSC too. You, uh, you expanded your lead or not lead, but the, uh, I guess the lead, I guess we'll call it the lead. I am up 2781.9 to 2597.68. The, uh, the massive lead I had is dwindling, and that's why I'm giving you the lead. But you scored 20 in the last two games. I put up 7.5. So if you want to talk about that and let me know if there's any changes to your team you want to make. I don't think I have any changes, but my team's doing quite well. I mean, Lopez's insane hitting streak was very impressive, very helpful. Horowitz is still doing quite well. Marino, surprisingly a player we just have not talked a lot about. He's quiet. not really... Right, he's not really getting in the stat sheet as much as we would have expected. I mean, I'm not going to be moving him off my team, but just as far as the Bisons go, with him being such a high prospect, us pretty much guaranteeing that he would be called up, and he did, but as soon as their catchers got healthy, he got sent down, and he really has not made a huge 
Like, he just has not made a lot of noise since returning to the Bisons. You kind of expected him to come back and just kind of fit right back into that lineup and be a huge part of it. He's had games here or there where he's done quite well, and overall I don't think he's, you know, dropped off or anything, but just not a name we've heard a ton of in the stat sheet. Yeah, his bat has kind of gotten quiet. It's not gone away. You still see him in the box score having a few hits, a few RBIs here and there, but his his constant presence in the the batter's box and making noise there has definitely gone away. So that, that's a good point by you where it's just – he he has kind of gone quiet in the times where the Bisons really need him the most. So hopefully he can step it up in the next four games. And in those next four games, we're going to cover it on our next show and get you ready for the next series for the Buffalo Bisons here. The Sabres. Phil, the Sabres have the made who? news. They have The <laughs> Buffalo Sabres have oh, okay. made some news. I know we <laughs> haven't talked about them in a very long time, and I think they got tired of us ignoring them. Well, it finally happened. UPL signed a two-year deal worth $838,000 annually, under a million dollars. I do like the signing. It's another prove-it deal. He's still going to be an RFA at the end of this one. He's played in 13 NHL games. He's 3-8-2 with a 9-1-3 save percentage and a 3.08 goals against. Those numbers have to get better, and I think they will with the team in front of him. But I think he is destined to start in Rochester unless somehow somehow he can beat out Craig Anderson but I think Anderson was guaranteed a backup spot in this team and that's I think why they were able to draw him back out and not go to retirement yeah the only thing I would have liked to see a little bit more of this one would just be a three-year deal rather than two but overall I think two especially at that money is really good for the Sabres and for the player more importantly though for the Sabres I think you can get a better feel for what he's going to be in his future. I think the biggest thing for him in these next two years, I mean, yes, stats are going to be something that he's going to have to be a little better at, but I'd like to see two full healthy seasons. I think that's the biggest thing that he can kind of bring right now to help his career is just have two years where you have very minimal injuries, nothing that where you're off, you know, a couple months because you got injured. He's been a very injury prone goalie so far in his very young career. And I think, again, the biggest thing he can do is just be healthy and solid for two years. If he puts up pretty good numbers for two years and is healthy, I think he makes some uh, a pretty decent push to be the Sabres number one. I also think two years gives you an idea of what Levi and Portillo will be doing with their college careers or their professional careers as well. I mean, we don't know if Portillo is going to sign with the Sabres. We are hoping he does, but Levi seems like he is all in for the Sabres and is still just enjoying his college career, and he's going to take his development very slow, which is perfectly fine because he's been nothing but incredible. So, I mean, if he, <laughs> I'm, I'm fully happy following exactly whatever that player wants to do because he's been doing it extremely well. So I think two years gives you a better idea of where you are with Portillo and where you are with Levi. And again, if UPL can stay healthy for two years, where you are with UPL as well. So I think the length of the deal and more importantly, the money they were able to get for him, especially because the Sabres still, from everything we understand, see him as the future goalie and the future number one. So I think getting him for that amount of money gives him two years to kind of shape up put up some solid numbers in the AHL as best you can with that team, and more importantly, just stay healthy. Yeah, he's got he's got two years to prove it because I believe Levi is going to be in Rochester next year, not this coming up year, but the following year after his next season in college. And that puts the pressure on UPL. The, the franchise has given him every opportunity. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. I mean, he, he just flat out didn't win the job last year out of training camp, and he got sent back down to Rochester. He got beat out cleanly by Dustin Tokarski. So he definitely needs to prove that it's still his number one crease role job. And he just hasn't done it yet. And part of that is because of him staying healthy. But Phil, in bigger news, much bigger news here, Tage Thompson re-ups seven-year deal, $50 million, which is about 7.15 annually. Massive deal. He has had. He still has one more year under contract at the 1.4, and then this one kicks in the following year. He led the Sabers in goals with 38. Led the team in uh, points with 68. He had 24 goals from February 1st on, which was fifth in the NHL. Former first round draft pick in 2016 from the St. Louis Blues and was a part. Uh, he might be the only remaining Saber pretty soon if Ryan Johnson doesn't sign from the O'Reilly deal. And if he keeps this up. 
he the the tra- I'm not saying the trade will be worth it because Ryan, Ryan O'Reilly went on to win the Smythe and the uh, Stanley Cup that following year. But if if he turns into the number one center on this team, which if if he takes another step or even just repeats what he did last year, it's uh it's a heck of a player that you got in Tage Thompson. Absolutely, and I could I could see him. I mean, it, it's hard to say another step because there's not too too much higher you can go, especially like you said, 24 goals from February 1st to you know fifth in the NHL from February 1st on is really impressive. I think his points could go up and his goals could continue to climb a little bit, but yeah, just be kind of a more well-rounded center. But overall, I think you're just seeing what he can really be, and as a saber, especially as his first year as center. And this is what he was able to do. So with a full year under his belt and just a little bit more of some continuity with his line and seeing how the Sabres are going to kind of pan out and what their play style is, full year under Granado, I think that next year you could see an increase in his ability and increase in his talent. And just I think we'll see another stage of development next year. And I think after next year it might be kind of where his ceiling's at. But right now, as far as the Sabres go, he is a number one center. I don't think there's too much doubting that at this point. And he's a number one center, only making 7.15 a year. I think that is quite the steal when you look at other number one centers around the entire league, especially when you compare him to a certain number one center that was recently on the Sabres making much more money and not producing quite as well as Thompson did last year. Yeah, this will be his second year playing center. I mean, remember last year they put him at center in preseason, and we all went, oh, no, what's going to go on? And Granado unlocked him. So going into his second full season, knowing that he's number one center on this team, centered by Tuck and and Skinner, I think I think that's just going to unlock him more. But I know I was seeing a bunch of people complaining about one year, he's he's getting this massive deal. Think about it like this. He is going from 1.4 to about 7.15. So it's it's a huge difference there, about $6 million more on the cap a year. But if you think about it like this, next year, I'm, I'm talking about the future year, not the one coming up. That's this year coming up. Next year, Akposo and his $6 million are gone. Zemgis Gergesen, 2.2 is off the book. Bjork, 1.6 off the book. Hinestroza, 1.7 off the book. Sheehan, 0.95 off the book. Bishop and his 4.91 are gone. Anderson and his 1.5 are gone. That right there is $18.86 million gone from players who are in expiring deals. So if you factor that in and remove the 7.1415 from Tage Thompson, you still got $11.74 or $72 million in savings from guys that are just coming off deals. You can use that for Samuelson, Fitzgerald, Cousins, and Asplit, who are all going to be RFAs next year that need new deals. So just from guys coming off the books, that doesn't even factor all the money they don't even spend just to get to the cap ceiling. Like they're just spending to the cap floor right now. That's it. And all these all this all these contracts that are coming off the books, it doesn't even equal what the pay raise Tage Thompson's going to be getting. So everybody that's complaining about the giant payment that he's making 7.15, I will look at it less about like the money there and less about where they're going to get this money from. They're getting a ton of money coming off the books soon. Like $18.86 million are coming out the boards just from those few guys there. Now, you can have an argument that why are you paying this guy so much money and why has he made such a giant boost just on one year? Think about it like this. If he went into the next season without a new deal, making $1.4 million, and he had the same season or better yet, another one, He's a $10 million player at that point. A center scoring close to 40 goals and say, give him another seven points. He's a 75-point guy. Give him 80 points. That's $10 million right there. I think it's an understanding between the player who wants to be here and help build this franchise and you know take him to the playoffs and possibly win a Stanley Cup down the road and the team investing in him and saying, hey, yes, one-year deal or uh, one-year I understand it, but we're investing in your future. Just coming together and saying, hey, you're sticking around for at least eight more years. We're giving you a nice pay bump. I it, you, I, I think he is banking on, the team is banking on him continuing to progress and being a great player, but he is also getting that security of hey, saying, hey, I got eight more years of paychecks coming in. He's also currently only 24 years old. So yes. giving him eight more years in the start of his prime 
Yes. Is exactly what you want, and even when 100%. he starts to age out, you get out of it. He'll be 32 years old. It's about when you want to get out of a deal. For so, as far as the timeline of this deal goes, that is the perfect amount of years that you want to give this player. You're getting him for his entire prime of his career, and after what he just showed you last year, again, I mean, I don't have a comparison right in front of me, but compare him to any other center on a top team. They're making, like you said, around 10, 11, 12, 13 million a year. I understand he's not going to be considered a top five center next year. Going into next year, you know, no one's going to be like, okay, Tage Thompson's going to rank among the top five centers in the entire league. But could he be a top five or top 10, top 15? Likely with those points. And like you said, if he makes another jump, especially with the Sabres, you have to remember. This team is still rebuilding. They still have a lot of talent that is very young, still a lot of upcoming talent. And again, he's only 24, so he's still very young. He's just getting into this new center role, and he still has years to develop under that role as well. But even the players around him are also just starting to develop as well. So you give him a even stronger supporting cast in the next couple of years, and he could absolutely explode. And getting him right now for what you're getting him for, again, it's a win for him as far as the kind of length of the deal and the amount of money he's making based on just one year, but it's still a win for the Sabres if he continues to produce. And like you said, they're banking on him and they're trusting in him that he wants to be around and he's going to continue to produce. And I don't think we saw anything last year that would prove otherwise. Again, on a pretty bottom team that didn't make playoffs, he still was able to put up 38 goals, 68 points. That is something that Eichel just simply could not do all that well. I mean, yes, he had some decent seasons, but for the most part, Eichel was on a bad team, and that was kind of one of the excuses a lot of people gave Eichel was just, okay, he's on a bad team. What do you expect him to do? Tate Thompson was on a bad team and still put up 38, almost 40 goals in a season, and I think that he just has the ability to continue to develop, and getting him for this deal at this point in his career I think is a very valuable thing for the Sabres. And, Phil, the last bit here before we move on to our next segment, I believe, in my opinion, and this is just strictly my opinion, the next news that broke for the Buffalo Sabres might be bigger than the Tage Thompson deal is definitely bigger than the UPL deal. And it brought me back to my younger days. My, my first team that I absolutely loved is the Buffalo Sabres. Phil, the goat head is coming back for 12 more games next season. The black, red and white are back. The, they released the logo. It was very much rumored for the longest time that this was going to be the year that that was going to be their third Jersey. But I love it even more that the team is is embracing the name Goathead. For the longest time, they would ignore everybody that was saying it was a Goathead. It was a Goathead. It was a Buffalo. They just kept saying it was a Buffalo. But their one tweet reinforced that, yes, they're going to be calling it the Goathead. The Goathead is back. I have a jersey. I have a Dominic Hasek jersey because Brooke bought me one. It's one of my favorite jerseys that I own. And I'm very happy that this jersey is back because it instantly put me back in 05, 06 with Danny Breer, Chris Jury, Thomas Vanek, uh, Teppo Newman, and Ryan Miller. Those heydays, the best days of my sports life is the 05, 06, 06, 06, 07 Sabres. And that reveal was just, I, I love the video. I, I know you're going to touch on it, the upside down with uh, with Stranger Things, but I, I love the <laughs> reveal and I'm very excited for it. Yeah, and I think as far as, I know fans have been kind of asking for pretty much anything from this team as yes. far as yep. just do something. The, the on-ice product wasn't very good, so try to give the fans some reason to come back, some kind of excitement. Give us something to kind of look forward to while the team wasn't very good. But as far as when to pull this off, I think this is a really good year to try to bring this jersey back, and obviously they are. Absolutely love the jersey, love the black and red, cannot wait to see this team out there in them. But more importantly, I think there's there's finally some hope, there's finally some excitement back in the air with this team. It's a team that seems to want to be here. It's what Kevin Adams has been working hard to kind of make happen, that it's, you know, the players that are on this team want to be here, they want to be in this jersey, and they want to play for this team. A lot of them are young, a lot of them are hungry. Again, it's a little bit more exciting, the end of the season was very exciting for the Sabres. They had quite a good record toward the end, and they were fighting against some of the top teams, and it was just exciting hockey again and brought a little bit of hope back to the city, and I think this is a good time to drop this kind of jersey as an alternate because now you just see 
a little bit more excitement and that builds it even more. And yeah, like you mentioned, the reveal video with the cool going from the one logo underneath the arena to the kind of upside down world that is Stranger Things to the old school black and red goat head. Absolutely love it. Cannot wait for this jersey and it's going to be very exciting. So, Phil, it was a very fun week for the Buffalo Sabres. What a way to reintroduce them to the podcast they've been yeah, missing right. for a while. A but, yeah, but when you don't do anything, what do you expect? So, Buffalo Sabres keep doing stuff, and we'll keep talking about you. Good things happen when you're on the show. And, you know, we got Tage Thompson back for eight more years, and uh, we got the, the goat head back. So, you're and welcome, UPL. Buffalo. You're welcome, and UPL. But, yeah, you're welcome for the goat head, Buffalo. Yeah, you're welcome. We did that. So we'll move on to our next segment. The Buffalo Bandits made some more signings, and uh, we brought one hero back and one familiar face back. They signed veteran defenseman David Brock, 44 goals, 53 assists, 97 points, with 693 loose balls in his 11-year run. He's played in 77 games with the Buffalo Bandits from 2013 to 2017. He is back. He is that enforcer back on the defensive end. Like you said, I think you brought it up, the Bash Brothers between him and Steve Priolo. And then the hero of Game 1 in the finals. I know it didn't turn out well, but he was still the hero of Game 1. Nick Weiss signed a one-year deal. We always say that news happens after our podcast is released, and uh, it definitely did. Nick Weiss back on a one-year deal, final UFA out there. I know Dane Smith is, you know, still... He's under the franchise tag, but he's not a UFA. It, he's It's still out there. But there's no more UFAs from the Buffalo, Buffalo Bandits anymore. I almost don't Sabres don't know why because they haven't been in my mind for a while. But he'll be entering his eighth year with the Buffalo Bandits. Last year, he was 3-7-10 with 48 loose balls in 13 games. Again, the game winner in game one. He's got 48 goals, 55 assists, and 103 points with 594 loose balls. So he's coming up on that uh, milestone. So we're going to have to talk about that in our first game. In 108 games played for Nick Weiss. So two veteran-type defenders are back, and I'm happy with the physicality and the toughness that is, is going to be re-added and added back to the Buffalo Bandits defensive core. Yeah, exactly what you just mentioned at the end is exactly what I was going to bring up. Both of these signings lean toward the kind of just angry, aggressive, old-school Bandit style of yep. play, especially with both of these being veterans for a long time and Brock being with the Bandits from 2013 and 2017. But he is 6'4", over 200 pounds. He's a big dude. And again, like you mentioned, the the Bash brothers between him and Priolo, I think they're going to have a lot of fun being by each other's sides. Once again, they're both very good lockdown defenders. Neither of them are very transition heavy, but they are tough to get past. I think that's something that the Bandits have looked to for their defense is getting a little bit bigger, a little bit nastier, and just a little bit more shut down rather than transition, which is something... I'm a fan of, but I hope they still address the transition game. I think it's still something that is lacking. But Nick Weiss also adds that aggressive attitude and that just aggressive nature. He's also he's a little bit more transition-y than the other two. I mean, Priolo and Brock being the other two. Priolo obviously not re-signed, but just thinking of the defenders on the team. Weiss adds a little bit more of that transition game to his element, element to his game. Got the upside down also on my mind. There you go. <laughs> Switch it up. Um, but yeah, so I think... Weiss was huge. Brock was a little bit of a surprise. I think he's getting up there in age, but I think he'll still be a very good lockdown defender. Again, someone who's a little bit bigger. And Weiss is a great, great re-signing. Glad to have him back on the team. He is another heart and soul kind of guy with that extra grit and toughness on his side, but a very good defender. And I think this defense was already very good last year in front of Vince. Now you are hopefully, hopefully, we have no real updates or idea what's going on, but you hope Robinson is going to recover from his injury. You hope they get him back. He was an extremely good shutdown defender in his own right toward the beginning of the season before he got injured. That was a huge loss to the Bandits, and now you're adding a few other defenders to this team that are, again, a little bit bigger and a little bit more locked down. So I think the defense that was already very strong is only getting a little bit stronger as they go. Yeah, I think the Brock signing kind of illustrates the issues that the defensive core did have. I mean, if you just go back and rewatch the finals games, Zed Williams tore them apart because the Buffalo Bandits didn't have a defender that could stand him up and not let him get to the spot he wanted to get to. Adding a guy like David Brock to this team is the exact type of defender that you need for this team and back on the end there because in the playoffs... There's a different style of physicality. The refs swallow their whistles and a lot more stuff. You can get away with a lot more stuff. And Zed Williams, 
ate their lunch and then kicked him in the face. So adding <laughs> a guy like David Brock, who is like the 600, the, the almost said 600 pounds, the 6'4", <laughs> over 200 pound defender is not going to let Zid Williams get to the spot he wants to get to. Yeah, if you have Priolo and Brock double teaming yep. anybody, good luck. Good luck getting yep. around that that duo standing in front of you. It's just it's not going to happen. That's a wall that is just not going to be broken. So really excited to see what those two do next to each other once again. And obviously having Weiss back for another year is always great for the team as well. So as news already broke, we already knew this, but the NLL draft first round is going to be streamed on ESPN Plus in the States and TSN Plus up in Canada at 2 o'clock next Saturday. Uh, the other news is uh, Brett Frude. He started yesterday where we're recording right now. Today was his first day, so congrats on the ha- job. Ha- yeah. Happy first but, day. Happy first day. Happy first day. But our draft coverage for this team is going to, you know, be done next monday on our next monday show we're going to be going over the forwards hopefully the defense and the transition players as well trying to dive into all that and try to give you as much info as we can based on who we think the buffalo bandits are might be targeting who might be there for the buffalo bandits and kind of all that but for the draft itself first time back in person since 2019 and i think without going into just what we're expecting from the bandits what we're expecting from the you know, what player they're going to be bringing in, what position they're going to be targeting, anything like that. For me, I'm personally expecting a lot more deals in this. I'm expecting more movement around the teams because all the teams that all the management of all the teams are going to be in one place at the same time. You're going to be able to talk deals with everybody so quickly. I think there's going to be a lot of moves. I love that they're streaming this. I think this is a great move. They should have done this with the expansion draft, but I'm glad they're doing it now. And it's getting into more homes. Once again, like we said, with ESPN plus with the games last year, this is getting more coverage for the young guys that are going to be the next you know, stepping stones for this league, getting their names out to homes that, Hey, where did I hear this name before? Oh yeah. He got drafted in the first round a couple of years ago. It's just going to be in the back of people's heads that are, this is another way to grow the sport that you continue to get this game and this, these, these events on TV in front of people who wouldn't normally see it. That's how you're going to grow the sport. It's a stepping stone, but that's how you're going to grow the sport. Jeff Teat should be a household name. And he's not yet because the game needs to keep doing more and more things to get it into houses. And I, I, I know I'm a little sidetracked, but I watched the 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 Paul Rabel, the, the documentary on ESPN Plus just yesterday. What the Rabel brothers are doing for the PLL and the players in it, that's what the NLL needs to do. And I did see that he had an AMA the other day and there is rumors that him and the NLL are talking on ways to help each other out because I've been saying it since we started this podcast. The NLL and the PLL need to communicate on how they can help the players and grow the sport together and have a summer league and a winter league. And if you can do that, that's how you're going to grow the sport and both leagues will benefit from that. Yeah, I think it's awesome to see the draft being streamed i think it's something that yes. we i don't know if we have had the chance to really experience that yet even in the in-person drafts i don't think i have ever watched a nll draft live in i yeah. know there yep. was the expansion draft that we watched live um on youtube i believe streamed live a little while yeah, ago but it wasn't but, it wasn't like this yeah. right it wasn't the draft i don't think i've ever in my nll fandom been able to watch the first round of a draft live. And I think it's going to be very exciting, especially this year with a brand new team coming in. I think that's going to be very exciting for them. And at the same time, the bandits for all the, the Buffalo fans have three first round picks if they hold on to all three. So that's also very exciting. I think this is one of the strange, I guess, ways that having an insanely long, very odd first round kind of helps that if they're going to stream the first round, at least it is like 23 picks and a few teams will get to go more than once. I'm sure this year there'll be some extra movement. Like you said, you have the ability to talk to those players or talk to those teams in person this year. I think that's going to be huge. And just, we just, again, we haven't really seen a draft. So I'm very excited to see just what this draft even looks like, especially being in person. I mean, are they going to do, 
you know, walking up to the stage for the players, for the teams? What is it going to look like? It's just something that we have not really been able to experience as far as I have been an NLL fan. So I think it's just like you said, another step to getting more people interested. And even for the fans that are already interested, it's just adding another element that hasn't been there yet. And I think, again, anytime you add something new, Hopefully it works out well, but in general, they just seem to be moving in the right direction as far as adding more unique things or just more things that should be around to help grow the game and something that is just another step in the right direction. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of the time, 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. That's not ideal, but I will say, and I will give them credit for this, they're picking a day that there's not a ton of other stuff going on. There's there's college football, but the NFL, it, they're sandwiched right in between the NFL. NFL plays on that Sunday, and the the pre the first game of the season, Buffalo on Thursday. So they're sandwiched in between that. There's gonna be people that are looking for, you know, things to watch and things to do on that Saturday. I just wish they would have pushed it more to prime time. Maybe they're doing this to avoid the prime time, but I, I just wish they would have done maybe five o'clock or six o'clock because the the West Coast is going to have to watch it at 11 a.m. I just think that was a little bit of an oversight thing that they did. But that's that's literally the only complaint I have for them. Getting this into houses, like I said, I, I'm going to keep saying it, getting it into houses that you know typically wouldn't see it, that's, that's how you're going to grow the sport. But Phil, like we said, we'll cover the, our, we'll do our draft coverage on our next show, but we'll move on to the Buffalo Bills here. Final cut down day was Tuesday. They also filled out their full practice squad, all 16 players. Phil, the the biggest note here, and I think this is the thing that we've all been waiting for and kind of expected when we didn't see him at practice, Trey White went on the pup list, so he's going to miss at least the four games, but he can't practice at all during those four games, so there is no chance that he's going to be back by week five. I wouldn't guess he is back until at least November, and if the Buffalo Bills cornerbacks, Dane Jackson and Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford and Saran Neal and Cam Lewis and all the, the cornerbacks out there, including the DBs, the, the, the safeties back there, if they can hold it down and you can get a fully 100% ready-to-go Trey White added to this team in the, the back half of the schedule where it's your easier schedule, that is going to be a dirty addition to the defense. I think that's going to be the the more interesting thing as the season goes on. It's not something we're going to know right now at all, but as the season goes on, hopefully the Bills are performing well as they should. They have the offense, they have the defense, even without White. But if for some reason they are struggling, do they not necessarily rush White back, but do they try to maybe get him a little sooner than they should if they're struggling just to inject that life back into the team and just give them a boost? Or do they hold off as long as possible, just kind of, hoping slash assuming you're going to make playoffs. But if they are having a really good season, like we kind of hope slash expect them to be having, I do agree with you. I do think they take their time and go well beyond the four games, maybe five, six, seven, eight. There's just simply no reason to rush them back unless you're starting to do bad. But if, like you said, if those CBs can hold it down for now and the team in general can hold it down and getting a Trey White, a all, you know, pro bowl, cornerback added to your team midway through the season is a humongous boost and not only that it adds him to be incredibly fresh for the playoffs it will be the middle of the season for him when playoffs come around it won't be at the end of the season so he might be just getting back into form or just hitting his prime of the season as playoffs hit so I think that could be a huge addition to the Bills and I do think as long as the season is going well for them that they will take their time because there's simply no reason to rush him back. And it's it's a huge injury. I mean, I know we were really excited and really hoping, seeing some of those practice videos and things like that, that he was close and that he would be ready for the season. But it's not something you want to mess with. I mean, he's a huge part of this defense. He's a huge part of this team. And I think just taking your time and doing it correctly rather than rushing is just absolutely the way to go. So I hope they don't try to push him too too hard and I'm sure it's killing him to be off the team especially being put on the pup list like you said he can't even practice during that time so I'm sure that is kind of just killing him off to the side that he he wants to be part of the team wants to be at those practices wants to be with the team and just be you know a part of everything going on he can't be I'm sure he's going to be itching to get back but hopefully the team just takes a very safe approach with his recovery 
So Phil, like we said, the 53 man roster was finalized that they, they have and Andre Smith, who was suspended six games. Eli Anku was injury released. And you also had Marquis Stevenson put on the IR and they signed punter Sam Martin. But is there any other names on this list? And I know that the first one off the top of my head, and I know the first one on the top of your head was a, is, is going to be the biggest question mark of why they did it. But before we dive into that, I think this is a, a public service announcement to all fans out there. And I think we were a little bit of, you know, a, a problem with it as well. When it comes time to cut guys, I think we got to less worry about the guys that are going to get cut because we have to remember that the other teams around the league, the 31 other teams, if you're going to claim a guy who has under four years of experience, they have to cut one of their own guys and add them to the team. So when we went through this, only four of our guys, the, the Buffalo Bills guys got claimed. And in total, I think there were 44 or 35, one of those two numbers, I can't remember which one, were claimed. And only one wide receiver, so that that touches on possibly losing the Isaiah McC- the Isaiah Hodgins that did get cut that I personally thought should have made the team. That that's for another story and a different, another day. But I, I think that goes back to us not having to worry as much about you know these these camp stars that might not make the team trying to sneak them down to the practice squad unless it's like a third or a fourth round draft pick that somehow doesn't make it and you're trying to sneak them down to the practice squad i think for the most part you're going to be able to sneak these guys down i mean raheem blackshear who got cut a lot of fans were worried and wondering if they were going to be able to sneak him down to the practice squad i think it's around the league now that hey you don't have to worry about trying to snag another person's you know running back because we already have an undrafted one that's doing the same thing on our team right now. So I think moving forward, at least on my part, I'm going to be less worried and less concerned about who doesn't make the team because like we said, the team's so talented already, but I'm not going to be as worried about like our sixth or seventh possible wide receiver getting claimed by another team because it's not happening very often around the league. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, you see this kind of throughout the entire league, every single team that is going through this. I mean, they all have their own media. They all have their own hype trains. They all have players that they expect not to make the 53 or right on that bubble that they think, you know, the fans really think that they should make it, but they aren't going to. And everyone freaks out like, oh my gosh, well, they're going to get claimed by another team because obviously an amazing camp. And again, every single team is going through the exact same motions. It's not just the Bills, not just the Bills fans. Every team is going through this. Every team has their practice squad darling or their you know preseason darling that comes out of nowhere and is amazing and the fans fall in love with them and everyone likes an underdog story that undrafted rookie like Blackshear as a a great example comes out has an incredible camp has an incredible preseason everybody wants to root for him I'm one of those people and you kind of just freak out that you're going to lose him to a different team because you're like oh look at the talent he's so young he could be incredible and we're just going to give him up for free But again, all the other teams also have that 53-man roster they're trying to get to, and all of them, for the most part, every single year, it feels like, again, for the most part, that teams have their 53-man roster pretty well set going into the season. Not every team is quite like the Bills. Not every team is Super Bowl favorites. So some teams are a little bit, you know, that are, are fighting to rebuild and just retool their rosters, might be looking at some of these practice squad guys that can beat out some of their players because they simply don't have that talented of a team. But a lot of these teams have a solid 53-man starting roster. So a lot of these players in the preseason that get cut are going to make it back to the practice squad. I think this year was a little bit different, though, as far as being a Bills fan, simply because you have some of the Bills' former you know, coaches and GMs on a different team now. And I think that's what worried me the most about Hodgins. I don't think it was necessarily that another specific team was going to take him or the whole league was looking at him. But I just know going into this, you know, cut day that the Giants are a mess of a team and they do not have a lot of wide receiver talent out there. And who the heck knows what? Whoa, whoa. They have the most expensive wide receiver in all of NFL. And Kenny Galladay, Phil, don't don't even go there. They have the most expensive wide receiver. They must have wide receiver talent, right? 
Yeah, well, money doesn't always buy talent, apparently. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a team like that. So I think that's why this offseason felt, at least to me, a little bit different with some of these players and Hodgins being the big one. I've been a big Hodgins fan since he came in. Again, I'm a person who absolutely loves fighting for that underdog, and he was another wide receiver who struggled with injuries, and I've just always wanted to see him on the team. And he came out and had a huge camp, and I was like, oh, man, either he makes it this year or he doesn't. And if he doesn't that the Giants are going to claim him. And I'm honestly shocked that he made it through simply because of the Giants, not necessarily the rest of the NFL, but the Giants are just a hot mess over there looking for any kind of talent they can. And with Dable and Schoen being part of the Bills organization formerly that know a lot about Hodgins, I am surprised to see he did not get picked up over there. They did get one of ours, uh, Nick McLeod. But they it was did. kind of was expected also because he was quite good. he was the last cut too. I think he was the fifty fourth guy. So, and you know, Giants need defensive or um, defensive backs too because they just cut James Bradbury. So, adding a guy like Nick McLeod who is that close to making the Bills lineup, you're definitely going to be making the Giants. But I guess uh, Phil, we've come to our close here, and uh, it's that time of the year again. This is our second season of the BSC Fantasy Game. You hear us talk about it all the time on the show, so I'll just run through it really quick for all the new listeners out there that have been wondering what the heck is the BSC Game. Phil created this baby. I've just been fine-tuning it and keeping up with it, but it runs. It, it involves all four teams that we cover, and uh, we're going to make a small addition to this pretty soon. But right now, all four teams that we do cover runs from the Bills season to the end of the Bison season. So as we're starting season two, season one is still wrapping up. I have not completed my championship yet. It's slowly coming. My trophy is in the mail. But you're going to be drafting players from the Bills, from the Sabres, from the the Bandits, from the Bisons. And for the Buffalo Bills here, we'll talk about the, the Sabres, the Bandits, and the Bisons later on down the road. But for the Bills here, You're going to be drafting three offensive players and two defensive players. And we have the scoring breakdowns. I'll try to put those on our website or or somewhere so you can kind of keep track if you want to play at home too. But I know we're trying to get this fine-tuned and ready to go so we can include fans this year in Season 2. But what better way to bring fans in with Season 3, Phil? (laughs) We're going to wait another season and bring them in next year. But with this... We're pretty much drafting our teams based on the players that are there right now. It's similar concept to fantasy football, fantasy hockey, whatever you want to play, fantasy baseball, whatever it is, but it's for all four sports, and we've kind of been able to fine-tune it so like Josh Allen has similar value to like a Casey Lawrence in baseball, who has similar value to Jeff Skinner in hockey, who has similar value to Dane Smith in lacrosse. We're slowly still fine-tuning it a little bit. We're learning as we go. We're getting it nearly perfect. But season two, we still want to get it all perfect for season three with everybody else. But I am first. Phil has picked two and three, and then we just go back and forth the rest of the way. You got uh, I got first pick because last year you took Josh Allen first overall. So I'm going to do it right back to you. Josh Allen is coming home <laughs> to me. Josh Allen, first round pick, first overall pick in the BSC draft for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, it was uh, obviously expected. And I think that's going to be... Really, the only difference between our two teams, I think after this, we're just looking pretty similar. Um, yes. I was looking kind of just throughout the entire, you know, understanding what the Bills are looking like this year and looking at our BSC game of past and looking at the current BSC game and what we're just kind of laid out in front of us. I think the Bills being a Super Bowl favorite are just so deep that yep. you really can't screw this up too, too much. And there's really just no true advantage outside of Josh Allen that either of us is going to have. I think... Right. Obviously, Kumro, maybe some Gilliam thrown in there. Um, Isaiah Hodgins, if you still bet on the talent and a injury, I will take it. Um, <laughs> so I think I think after this, like I'm just this isn't a draft I was as worried about as I was last year when we had a few question marks kind of throughout the entire lineup as to, you know, what was what was Knox going to be? What was Davis going to be? What was Singletary going to be? What was Moss going to be? There were a lot more questions last year headed into our first BSC draft this year. I think it's a little bit more set in stone. You kind of just understand everybody's role. So with my next two picks, I'm going to go back-to-back, wide receiver one, wide receiver two on this team. I'm going to go Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis. Yeah, they were number two and three in my list. For some reason, I thought Davis might be able to squeak through to me. And uh, that was a dumb, that was a dumb <laughs> thinking, Phil. That was very dumb of me to think that way. Yeah, um... 
Yeah, it, that one definitely hurt. I mean, I got Josh Allen to lean on, but we did adjust quarterback scoring just a tiny bit because last year he outscored Diggs by like 100 points. So we're trying like that, that's what we mean by we're waiting to bring fans in until season three because we're still fine tuning it. We're learning as we go. And, you know, this is the first fantasy league ever like this. We're breaking ground in the fantasy game because we are. What do we call ourselves, Phil? The amateur the, fantasy, amateur experts. fantasy experts. There we go. So, yeah, we're creating our own game. We're going to be slowly becoming expert fantasy experts and in, in very shortly. But I am on the clock for my second pick here. And. There's there's a couple exciting names on this list. Our uh, our bandwagon hero of Isaiah McKenzie still sitting there, but I'm worried that he might not be ready for Week One. He's still injuring. He's still nursing an injury from practice the other day. So I am going with the guy that I think is about to have a breakout season. I I said it because I've been doing. I started the thing where I'm going to be doing a small talking segment for the guillotine league that I run just to bring more enjoyment for the the people that are in it. But I am going with the breakout season of Devin Singletary. He's coming back to my team. He did amazing down the stretch to kind of outscore you and the, the BSC bills. So I'm going Devin Singletary as my second pick. See, that is actually where it gets really interesting for me. Um, more interesting than I expected to get. I really didn't have, Oh boy. Oh, you didn't man. expect it? I didn't expect it. I, I, I thought I didn't expect that to be your next pick. I guess I'll put it okay. that way. I'll take that. Because um, there, there's a, 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 a TE1 out there that, there that did quite well, but there's also a rookie running back who's looking very enticing. There is. And uh, I thought you would have gone Knox because you're, you're not really getting a, a top wide receiver at this point on the bill. So I thought you would have gone Knox as your your pass catching option, but you left him out there. I did. So There's now bait for you. Right now it's either Knox or James Cook. Do you bet on the talent or do you bet on the exciting rookie? I don't know. One of them's looking to earn his second contract, too. And he is in his his prime looking like. Josh Allen's favorite. I'll, you know, let's. I, you had him last year, and honestly, he killed me last year quite a bit. I forgot when you picked him up in the season, but neither of us drafted Dawson Knox last we year. We didn't know start. what he was. Yeah, yeah, no, we had no idea. We, we were hoping for that breakout, but we had not seen it yet. And then he had the breakout, and we didn't draft him. And then you picked him up on the free agent waiver wire. And then he he went on to uh, demolish my team quite a bit. So I'm gonna go with Dawson Knox. Let's uh, let's have a lot of fun with some pass catching. Hopefully they yeah, are gonna... a high flying offense and anything that Josh throws other than James Cook. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, that, that's definitely going to hurt me because this is a full PPR. You get a point per reception, but I'm hoping that Josh Allen is just going to run like crazy. And you know, when he's not running, he's handing it to Devin Singletary and running it. And because, because of this offense is so good, maybe the score will be too high. Although that means probably your three guys have scored. So if you're following along at home, Phil has filled out his whole offensive team because you get three. So that means I don't have to take the offensive player here. I get to take as my top defensive player here. And as I've learned, I, I'm still learning that as an amateur fantasy expert here. I am taking, oh, the other guy that is in a big contract here. And oh, it's not the safety. Them. Yeah, it's not the safety. <laughs> Tremaine Edmonds. He has looked so much different, and he looks more explosive, and I'm expecting more explosive plays from the linebacker linebacker position this year because they have a, you know, a stout defensive line now. So I'm going to go Tremaine Edmonds as my top defensive pick. And uh, that's fair. That's fair. I, I probably would have had him also as my top defensive pick as well. But I'm going to go with the other guy then. We're going to go just contract via contract, and uh, we'll okay. see who has a better contract year. And I'm going to go with Poyer. The, uh, You're hoping his lovely, uh, elbow's lovely healthy? Safety. Yeah, he'll be all right. Long okay, term. Okay. You got to think long term. It's a long season. I can't be having you scooping up Poyer off the waiver wire. That is very true. That is very true. And just to touch on this, because the football games happen every once a week, it will not be like baseball where we're not going to be able to make changes every show for football. It is just the show before the game. So, Coming up on our next show, if we want to make any changes, if any injuries happen, we're going to have to make it on the Monday show. Normally, it will be the Friday show, but the Bills have so many primetime games because they hate me. They hate me a lot. But again, I'm still drafting because I I 
don't have to take my last offensive player here. I get to save him for last. I'm learning, Phil. I'm still learning. So I am between two here. As you and should last be. year I had Hyde. And I am taking Hyde off my board here because he didn't do everything I was expecting. He played very well. He got me over 100 points for his position. But I I am not drafting Micah Hyde this year. So I'm down to two. And I really want this second one, but that means I am leaving the other one towards you, and I don't want to do that. So I'm going to leave the million-dollar man to you if you want to take him, or you can have the dynamic duo in the in the safety room. I'm taking Matt Milano. I'm taking both linebackers. How can I let you have Matt Milano for a second year in a row? <laughs> he is like your favorite player. so Yes, that's why I got to have him. Yeah, that's fair. I should have... Uh... Looking at it, better, look, looking yeah. back, I should have gotten Milano first because Hyde and Poyer, both extremely good. Should have gotten one of the two linebackers. Are you talking uh, Von Miller is your other one? That was the other one, yeah. That's fair. We uh, See, he's interesting because we really haven't had a defensive end. A yeah. defensive end because they're just, I mean, no offense to the Bills, but we are a team that is known for not sacking people very well. <laughs> so we really just haven't had a great reason to have a defensive end. But I think even with a big sack total, again, we just don't we just don't know. Taking the tackles, the possible interceptions, or are you going the Von Miller route with the sacks? I don't even know what his stats were last year. That's that's the bigger thing. They were pretty stinking good still. Yeah. Overall he had uh he had a good year. He had a good year. Um I'm gonna go with Jekyll and Hyde though. I'm gonna go with Jekyll okay. and Hyde. You're going Hyde? Especially, like you said, if Poyer, for some reason, is out early on for his elbow, I think he'll be okay. But if he is out, then Hyde will be all that more important. And I can also put Poyer on my IR that we do not have in this league and uh, pick up Von Miller if I need to. But for now, we'll go with Jekyll and Hyde because I also really like that name. It is a good name. Uh, Maybe you can name your BSC Bills team that. But that means I get to take my last pick here. And I've already wrote it in because I wrote it in a while ago because, again, you couldn't take any more offensive players. So James Cook, little Cook that I like to call him because he's Delvin's little brother. I am taking James Cook, and because of how dynamic I think they're going to use him in the offensive game, I think he can get the reception yardage as well, plus add in the the running game as well possibly more touchdowns. And the, the reason I did take Singletary over Knox is because Singletary was just a monster in the red zone last year towards the end of the season, starting the Tampa Bay game. So I think he is destined to be a thousand yard running back and at least eight to nine touchdowns. That's, that's my ball prediction for you. The big question with Singletary, and this is nothing against him or your pick, but how, how much is Moss going to sneak in and vulture touchdowns? I think from Moss the two is or the healthy scratch. Line? Yeah. I don't think Moss is going to see any work on the active game day roster unless Singletary or Cook goes hurt. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I've always been a Moss fan and he has looked you good have. this preseason, but overall, as far as Singletary goes, Singletary has also looked extremely impressive, especially again, we talked about it so much at the end of the year last year, he did really well. And I think Cook is the change of pace back. So I don't think they have a reason, especially when you have Josh Allen who can just be Josh Allen. I don't think they have a reason to dress Moss as of now, like you said, barring injury. So for now, I could also see him being the healthy scratch. But that's our teams. That is our teams. Uh, you want to run through them? I'll go. I'll, I'll jump in first. Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, and James Cook are my three offensive players. And then for the defense, I got both linebackers and Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. I have Diggs, Davis, and Knox for the offense, and I have Jekyll and Hyde, also known as Poyer and Hyde, for the defensive side. Cannot wait. Super excited. And uh, happy I got the 1-2 wide receiver punch. We'll see. We'll see if Davis can have that breakout we were kind of hoping for last year that took until, you know, record-breaking playoff games to, uh, to really occur. But I think this year he's looking incredible. The dude's just huge. He's a big dude. He's a big dude. Well, Phil, uh, good luck this season, season two. I would like to say I'm trying to defend my championship, but I can't say it yet. I have to wait until like October to be able to say it. So yeah, it is, uh, is unofficial. Any, unofficial champion right now. You, you still got a chance. You're, you're still putting up a ton of points, but I think, like you said, you're, I think you're 
Time is just going to run out just barely, though, just barely. But we still got a month of baseball to go, so anything can happen. But, Phil, is there anything else you want to add to this episode before we shut it down and uh, get ready for a nice, long Labor Day weekend? No, I am. Uh, I'm all set. I mean, congrats to the Sabers getting back on the podcast. The uh, yeah. They had some some great news. It wasn't even just like they snuck on because they did one silly little thing. They had some big. I mean, I don't think we heard any. I mean, I haven't really looked too far into the Sabers recently, but I haven't heard any rumors or rumblings of a big Tage Thompson extension possibly coming up, or UPL even finally getting his deal. So I think both of those were pretty surprising to see and very exciting. So congrats to the Sabres and uh, welcome back. So on our next show, we'll cover the four games that the Bisons have yet to play. We'll get you ready for the next series. Anything that happens with the the Sabres again, we'll, we'll cover any of that. The, the Buffalo Bandits, like we said, we'll go over some of our draft coverage on our Monday show because the draft will be Saturday and you know our episode is coming out Saturday maybe we can hit on a couple things because we'll be recording on Friday and then we'll uh you know we'll get you ready for the Buffalo Bills versus the Rams that is opening next Thursday night fell six days away it's uh an exciting time to be a Western New York Buffalo Bills fan it's uh I guess a Buffalo Bills fan anywhere but you know if they win the Super Bowl this is where I want to be is right here in Western New York I wonder how many people that have moved away will come back just for oh, yeah. the party. I don't want to be at the Super Bowl. I want to be here right downtown in Buffalo. This place is going to go crazy. There's going to be so many. They should just make it optional to work the next day. I mean, oh, it should absolutely. already be a holiday the day after the Super Bowl. But if the Bills win the Super Bowl, whoo, doggy, this, this city might burn down. I feel like the second they make it, everyone would immediately be like, yeah, yeah I'm not coming in. I'm sick that day. That's yeah, <laughs> uh, the... <laughs> everybody's got the flu but yeah thank you all for listening to another episode of the buffalo sports collective follow along with us on facebook and instagram at buffalo sports collective and on twitter at buffalo sports co visit our website at buffalo sports collective.com subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you leave us that review on apple and spotify until next time bye bye